You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Don't call it a comeback. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. And we're back. We've actually been pumping out quite a bit of content. Um, John has been away for a week in New Hampshire, enjoying uh, some vacation time, some much-needed vacation time. And in your absence, John, we had an excellent hour-long interview with Chris Forsberg from ESPN Boston, and we're going to talk about him a little bit this morning for certain. And then also Sam Sheehan from the Scorching Shamrocks podcast here on CLNS Radio did a really nice job of, of breaking down sort of the salary cap and what's committed and, and even said, you know, we got a couple of players that haven't been stashed officially yet. I wouldn't rule anything out until we, we have some certainty there. So a couple of really good shows along with a reissue flashback show, which you obviously heard the uh, the new intro commemorating the uh, ninth anniversary of the acquisition of the K- of K- Kevin Garnett in the trade on July 31st. So obviously we're broadcasting on August 1st, but that was definitely uh, an excellent time. And I remember... John, you were on vacation in New Hampshire at that time as well. And for anybody who listened to the show, they'll hear that you, you didn't wind up being able to join Eric Weiss and myself until really it was we were well into the second hour. I cut over three hours of audio down into about an hour and a half featuring uh, some pretty regular guests on the show, Steve Bulpett, Scott Susan, of course, Sean Grandy. And I'll just make a note, Sean was kind enough to retweet the show, but also sent me an email and just said that was really interesting to listen to that that flashback and kind of hear the comments from nine years ago now that we have the benefit of hindsight being 2020 at all times. So, John, welcome back from vacation. I'm surprised that on some level we didn't see a trade, but I sort of marked this fictitious deadline of July 31st. That's now passed, and I think 
we can almost rest assured that the Celtics are going to lay low up until training camp or at least to at least a few weeks before training camp. I really doubt we're going to see any major moves because, as Sam pointed out, there's really no urgency here. Well, that's it, yeah. And Sam, you know, I think that, unfortunately, for those of us hoping for fireworks, <laughs> three years gone, uh, you know, I think uh, certainly Al Horford uh, it qualifies as fireworks. But the truth is, until the Celtics have had a chance to, uh, you know, make that deal, find the dance partner they need, we're going to be, you know, stuck with the situation regardless of how good the assets are. And Danny isn't going to play by media timelines. He's not going to play by the types of rules that, that maybe the fans would like to see. He's going to be patient. And, you know, I think that you have to give him uh, quite a bit of leeway in, in doing so. They thought they were going to have, be able to the opportunity to sign a free agent. They did, uh, despite what everyone uh, thought to the contrary, or a lot of people, I should say, the detractors thought to the contrary. So why not give him the same wide berth when it comes to making this, this franchise-altering trade? As, you, you know, as we talked about at the start of the show, nine years ago, to, well, today, or <laughs> in this time frame, nine years ago, he did that. And you could argue that the move to trade Garnett and Pierce away was just as earth-shattering. Danny can do these deals. So uh, we just need to be you know, patient as fans and uh, understand that this is not going to be something that's going to happen easily. Well, and just keep in mind that the stock of the Celtics' assets will only rise because they're young. So barring injury, they're only going to improve. Um, I don't want to see Jalen Brown get traded, but certainly he has more value after he's had a chance to play, and especially if he plays well in limited minutes, then his value goes up versus we haven't really seen him except you know in college. And as Ryan Bernardoni had astutely pointed out and hammered at me when he came on the draft night show, that the numbers in college really don't support that. So that's a scenario where I think, especially after we've seen his performance in summer league, he's certainly not going to dip in uh, trade value. He'll he'll definitely be going up in trade value, as will many of the other Celtics players. And then when you talk about Blake and Westbrook, you're looking at a scenario where those teams maybe aren't feeling a sense of urgency now, but as this season rolls on and we careen towards next offseason, the, the necessity to get something instead of nothing becomes more and more important to both the Clippers and the thunder in that scenario. And I also listened to another podcast, the real GM radio podcast right here on CLNS radio over the weekend. And they were talking uh, on the show. I think it was with Kevin Pelton, but talking about how essentially the Thunder need to just wait on this. They they believe that Russell Westbrook's going to be really upfront with the organization, allow them to make moves, and essentially not pull a Kevin Durant. So that's all interesting, and I know we have a little bit of drama in the news with with uh, uh, Draymond Green. Just can't can't stay out of the lights. 
And really, Kevin Durant, really? Is that the man that convinced you to go play for the Golden State Warriors? I don't know, John. I'll let you rebut on that. But real quick first, a reminder to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as myself at CSL underscore Justin and John at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Radio Network can be found at CLNS Radio, as well as a Facebook page, facebook.com backslash CLNS fans. And make sure you're downloading the CLNS Radio app. Just go to your app marketplace search clns radio download that and when we get into the season we're going to have a ton of content on the youtube channel youtube.com backslash clns radio we always have high definition full-length locker room interviews and the garden report with jared weiss so john what do you what do you make of the draymond green and 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 you know again he just can't seem to to stay out of some negative light there is that really the person that got Kevin Durant to, to, to go to Golden State Warriors and choose him over the Boston Celtics. You best believe it. He's the guy, you know. And that's and that's why, that's why when you and I were talking in the immediate aftermath of, of that decision, where I'm not just, I'm not of the believer that, that this is all going to go as well as everyone thinks in Golden State. I, I think Draymond Green is going to be a problem. And the fact that, you know, whether it's he's texting out pics on Snapchat of things and, you know, fights and whatever, uh, that's one thing. And that's a distraction. But it's summer, and you can live with that a little bit easier. But how is he going to deal with being the fourth guy, being someone who doesn't get any shots? He's a max player. Uh, he's had a chance to establish himself as a as a player in this league, as a as an all star, and he's the one that's going to take a step back. It's one thing to say it, it's one thing to say that I'm going to be prepared for that, but it's another to do it. And and I'm not a believer that that Draymond Green is going to be able to to keep himself in check. I think that's where the that's the shakiest foundation piece for these Golden State Warriors. And if it really falls, and, and we've seen things can fall, what happens if Steve Kerr's back acts up? I mean, there's a, there's so many, there's a lot of question marks there. The, the talent is there, no doubt. But there's a lot of question marks in terms of what that team does. And, and with Draymond Green being a foundational piece, if he does falter, that team does not have enough defense to keep their run going. A lot of offense, not a whole lot of D. So, you know, look, who, if, if we're going to let Steph Curry take plays off, how is Kevin Durant going to feel about that? There's just so many different things. This is a tough puzzle to put together. And like you said, I think he is the guy that helped convince him, but he may be the guy that ends up convincing him to leave. Well, that, that would be a dream, although you already know in the heat of passion following Kevin Durant's decision, I said, no, thanks. Don't, don't even come here. And I know you're holding out hope that next summer he'll end up opting out of that situation and uh, and potentially joining the Celtics. And it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, there's nothing to deny there. That's that's been your that's been your angle on it since since day one, whereas I've kind of been a little bit more, I don't know, miffed. I'm I'm in, I'm in the Jay Crowder miffed category of how I feel about that decision, what it says about Kevin Durant. I just, I, I understand, um, you know, why he left Oklahoma City to a certain extent. But 
who knows? We'll see how it plays out. We're going to be talking about it all season long. And I know I want to I want to talk about one thing before we get into uh, Chris Forsberg's ESPN Boston summer forecast, the first edition of which was released this morning. So we're going to dive into that. Uh, but Doc Rivers on the Vertical podcast with Woj, and there's some interesting things there because I know we've been picking on Doc for always wanting to bring in players that he's had in the past, you know, Brandon Bass being the most recent obvious one. And he explained that a little bit on the podcast as far as, you know, his idea is that players who already know what they're trying to do, what he's trying to accomplish, having them in the locker room as somebody can say, you know what, years ago I was in the same place as you. I didn't quite get it or I didn't understand it. And, you know, I went through this, but now this is where we're at and this is what it's going to take for the team to succeed. I know I went back and forth with Boston Sports Z, you know, Boston Sports with a Z a little bit. And the take there was that's not a good that's not a good answer from Doc. I still think it's a good answer from Doc. I think it's at least an explanation and it makes sense to me. And I do love that Doc is is for the most part pretty forthright in his conversations with the media. And we can definitely we'll, we'll eat him up a little bit here on the blogger comment that he made. But Everybody else has jumped on that one. Nobody's really talked about him acquiring former players. You can make an argument that there may have been better players for him to get that would have contributed to the Clippers uh, and given them more on the court. But you can't. I don't think you can argue that the idea isn't sound. So, what's your take, John? Because I've got, I've got this hunch you don't agree with me, and you're more in Boston sports camp. <laughs> Uh, Mr. I am a Celtic we're talking about here. Oh, is that who we're talking about? We're talking about, talking about the guy who said that he was, he was a Celtic for life and all this. And then a year later, what, you know, engineered his way out of town. Is that, is that the guy we're talking about? I just, I just want to double check <laughs> that I haven't missed something here. You uh, can't blame Doc Rivers for leaving I, Boston. I absolutely can. I, no, I there's no way. Are you going to compare him Look, to Ray Al? Hey. Cause that's not even fair. Ray was a traitor. And Doc said, I've been through this once. Doc said, I've been through this once, and I don't want to do it again. Did he miscalculate? Did he not have the foresight to see how quickly this would turn around? Sure. But I'm also not sure. In some ways, he did us a favor, because I don't think he could have turned it around the way Brad Stevens has. No, no it's, hey, it's like, it's like you're, you're, you're married, you get divorced, and you know what? The second wife is hotter than the first and is, is a better cook. And is more supportive of you and, you know, gets you and, you know, is a, is a better friend to you and all this. I mean, our second wife is way better than our first wife. That was our first mistake. That's a, I agree with that. That's but, a little harsh. But my point is, I mean, come on. This is, this is Doc Rivers who, you know, basically put himself in a position to say, oh, I'm here forever. And then a year later, he's like, well, I can't handle it. Like, that's, that's just so weak. That's so weak. And and to then you know I'm not going to relitigate the whole thing that, that was you know that that's four years old now. I know, I'm not saying it's a good but, look, but it's oh. not as bad as like Ray Allen. It's understandable. I don't, you know I what don't I mean? Know. It's he did the rebuild in Orlando. He did. Do you remember how frustrated he was? And even then, he yeah. never played the young guys. He had a real hard time developing oh. young players, which is why. He, you know, he's taking the kids in the divorce. You know what I mean? He's the one that's going and grabbing. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying is it's no surprise. You know, he's taking the kids in the divorce. He's bringing them, bringing them in. And, you know, he's trying to kind of have this sense of family. Uh, but, 
at the same time, I don't blame Doc a hundred percent. Like again, not a good look. Maybe, maybe almost too forthright in his reasoning. But that was one long ass rebuild the first time around, and there's no way for him to have predicted that it could have been rebuilt this fast. Well, we knew he was that the, the Celtics were going to try to trade away Garnett and Pierce. That's that was the biggest reason why he left. Right? He knew that those guys were going to be gone, or and he loved those guys. And he loved those guys <laughs> to obviously. the point where Pierce is there now. Right. So. It makes sense. I, I mean, I understand on that level. Sure, you know, he doesn't want to deal with the rebuild. That's that's under that's somewhat understandable. I think the problem is is that you're a foundational piece of what makes this franchise. You know that you know. Hey, there's this dips and turns. I mean, the first sign of trouble and you go running for the hills. That's not a great look. You know, and and you can't be. I'm a Celtic, and then a year later, be like, "See ya! I'm gonna go hang out with Donald Sterling." I mean, it's just. Uh, I, anyway, I, well, there were a lot of interesting comments about that, and even the Sterling, you know, uh, comments from Doc. He, they were metered, but it was ever present and fairly honest in the interview. I would just we'll move on from it and since everybody else has already hammered him on the blogger's comment, we'll go ahead and leave that behind. I think it, you know, he said his youngest son sort of traced it back. I that part I think is is unfair. You know, that came from a from a radio station, not a blogger, and he did sound a lot like Isaiah Thomas. But we we covered that and when I say Isaiah Thomas, I don't mean our Isaiah Thomas. I mean former president of the New York Knicks who got into some run-ins in the early 2000s with bloggers. But we'll leave that one behind. We'll just let that sit. Um, I want to make sure we get to ESPN Boston summer forecast. And I also want to talk about Paul Pierce a little bit before we wrap because, you know, we're going to be doing some some more shows and 30-minute hits. So today's show is only going to be 30 minutes. we got to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Fan Essentials, and also announce who's this week's winner for a free month of Celtics gear from Fan Essentials. But real quick, how would you like to get all your favorite NBA team's merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Just check out fanessentials.net. You pick your favorite sports team, and then every month you're going to get gear shipped right to your door. They find all the sports gear so you don't have to, and each one of these fan boxes comes fully packed with some really amazing gear. It's a great gift idea for any sports fan, and prices start at just $34.99. But most importantly, you can be supporting Celtics Stuff Live, and we'll help you back. We'll help you back. You'll save 30% on the first month of your subscription. Just use the promo code CSL2016 at the checkout. So go to fanessentials.net to get all the essentials you need. And as I mentioned, we're giving away one free month each week to our listeners, all you have to do is retweet one of our show announcements with the hashtag Fan Essentials. Make sure you're following John or I or the general the, the uh, general show Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, so we can send you a direct message and let you know let you know that you won. This week's winner, Bryce, at Bryce Celtics. So make sure you're checking your DMs. I did see, Bryce, that you're following me on Twitter. So I'll be getting that out to you today, and you'll be able to get a free month of Celtics gear. So we talked about that rumor that uh, it, that elicited the comments from Doc Rivers about taking shots at bloggers. But one of the things in that deal was it was Blake and Paul Pierce. And I know Doc said he would let Paul Pierce out of his contract to sign a one-day contract with the Celtics so he could retire a Celtic. But wouldn't it be so much better if he just spent this season with us, John? Oh, no question. 
no question. I, I, yeah, I mean, that would be uh, preferable. And, and you know that, that that discussion about what Paul Pierce, that didn't come, uh, the, there was a reason why that comes up, right? I mean, obviously this is, if there was a deal or there was rumor of that, and I'm sure there were some conversations there. Look, you know, if there's a deal to send me to Boston, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I'll go. You know what I mean? I'm sure that that conversation has been had between Paul and, and Doc. Um, that would that would be a dream. That would be a dream, you know? But I'm not expecting it at this point. Seems seems unlikely. What if the Clippers totally blow up, though? Let's say Blake gets an injury, which isn't out of the question, or Doc just realizes, and this was something else that was discussed on the Real GM uh, radio podcast, which, which was... Really, their best tradable asset is Chris Paul, and Chris is getting older. It almost makes sense for them to keep Blake because Blake is younger, but if they were going to do a rebuild, it's Chris Paul they could move because he's older, and they would actually get value for Chris Paul today where they probably won't with Blake. And keeping that in mind, if this thing, if the, if the train goes off the tracks, I could see a situation where there's a deal at the deadline to bring Paul to Boston for really not much, you know, it wouldn't, I don't think it would cost a lot. Then that way he finishes out the season and gets a playoff run with the Celtics, which that, that is sort of the ideal and most likely scenario for me at this point. Cause I think you're right. I think the Blake deal is dead and it's not going to happen this season. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's dead. If that part's dead, I think it's dead for right now. Uh, I don't think Chris Paul, it doesn't. Chris Paul wouldn't make a lot of sense for the Celtics, just because. No, not, not traded to the Celtics. I just mean in general, like to another team. Just Doc says, oh, yeah. Uncle, we're going to rebuild. Chris Paul's our most tradable asset. Once we do that, it makes no sense to keep Paul Pierce here because we're not going to go deep in the playoffs. We're yeah. trying to stockpile and get some players to play along with Blake as we hit the reset button for a couple of years. Well, if they're keeping Blake and they're keeping DeAndre, they're gonna they're expecting to win right away, regardless of Paul's presence, right? So, I don't know. I mean, I, I, <laughs> it's a tough fit. I mean, they're they're in a very bad spot right now. The Clippers are, in my mind. I mean, yes, I think maybe San Antonio's taking a step back, but you know, I don't know that there's actually that much that. Is separating them from maybe that next tier. Oklahoma City is now knocked down a peg or two, so they may be lower than the Clippers on that pecking order. Um, but at the same point, what's their future? I mean, I think, and that's really what you're talking about there, which is what is the future of the Clippers? And it doesn't sound great in my mind. I think you've got to, I think you've got to look at the breaking up that core. They weren't able to get it done to, with, you know, with that group. Um, for a number of reasons. I think there's some duplication of abilities there. Um, you know, Paul likes to have the ball in his hands. Blake can do things with the ball in his hands. And it doesn't seem like it, it's been successful. Um, so I'm not sure what they do, but I think that it'd be, it would be wonderful if, you know, for some reason it does flame out that to, to have Paul Pierce uh, finish, finish up here in Boston. And, and Lord knows, you can see a real situation where they could use what Paul's size and what Paul brings to the table as a as a playoff run you know if they if there's a way to for that deal to cost the Celtics very little uh, I think they'll do it I think they should do it 
and what a benefit to Jalen Brown he would be. And I'm sure we'll talk about that some more. We've got to get over to the ESPN Boston summer forecast. Like I mentioned earlier, that came out this morning. And I want to run this down a little bit, John, just kind of looking at everybody's numbers. But real quick, first, another way for you to support the show. Support Celtic Stuff Live by supporting our sponsor, Loot Crate. It's another monthly subscription box service, but this one is for geeks, nerds, comic book lovers, and pop culture aficionados. For less than $20 a month, subscribers receive a mystery box containing at least $45 worth of collectibles, figurines, apparel, and memorabilia. So for August theme, it's from good from bad guys doing good things for the wrong reasons to good guys with questionable tactics. August is the perfect time to explore the anti-hero. Walk the hero-villain line with this 100% exclusive collection of items from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, and Kill Bill that include two great collectibles, a wearable, and, of course, the monthly tee. And don't forget the pin. Just head on over to lootcrate.com backslash CLNS and enter the code CLNS to save $3 on any new subscription. So, John, I went with 55 wins. And I believe you went, was it 53? I'm just kind of pulling this back up again. Yeah, 53. So let's talk about ours first. You went, I'm going to read the quote from the article uh, where where I'll read both of ours and then we can discuss and maybe look at a couple of the other um, contributions. But after three straight years of calling for a major trade in this space, I'm finally calling uncle. Good for you, John. Thankfully, the first significant free agent signing in team history in the form of Al Horford will add a cornerstone piece to a team with tremendous flexibility to improve while also possessing a team talented enough to reach the conference finals. A tougher Eastern Conference will prove to be a challenge, but the true gains for this team will come in the postseason. So that's from you, John, and then I'll read mine. Uh, the team started last season 7-7 and while Stevens sorted out the front court rotation and Isaiah Thomas began to realize his all-star potential. The Celtics lost two head snappers, which, by the way, was originally brain farts, but apparently we had to edit that out for ESPN, which is hilarious. So the Celtics lost two. I'm just going to give you the the original content. The Celtics lost two brain farts to the Lakers and Nets to bookend the new year and struggled with injuries down the stretch following the All-Star break. That's good for at least four more wins with what should be a more established lineup to begin the year. Horford gets them three more wins and integrates seamlessly. And, of course, this assumes a reasonably healthy year for the core rotation. So that's really the gist here is if everything goes perfectly as planned and everybody stays healthy, I think 55, you think 53. But the minute injuries come into play, that number's got to get knocked down. Don't you agree? Well, the thing is, I mean, they still have that same depth. You know, I mean, you lose Crowder, but now you have Jalen Brown. I'm not saying he's the same player, mind you, uh, but I know in talking to you that 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 probably that's probably a step up. Uh, so, uh, but no, seriously, I mean there's there's so much depth on this team, and, and like I talked about later on, I mean the fact that you can go from you know and we'll see later on as as the, the again this first week kind of rolls out, a guy like Terry Rozier, for example, who you know really deserves I think 20 minutes a night at this point. I'm not sure he's going to be able to get that. So you lose one of those I don't guys. know that there's enough room. Exactly. Exactly. You've got three guys that are deserving of some serious time between Smart, Bradley, and Thomas. And doesn't it make sense that he's going to get squeezed out of some time there? And maybe he gets 10 minutes. But you know, for him to be able to give the type of contribution that I think he's capable of, he's going to need 
25 minutes, 30 minutes a night, and he's not going to get that right now. So if they if they could find a way to get uh, you know to get Terry Rozier those minutes, it's all going to come with injuries. And so I think the depth there allows for them to maintain a, a pretty high level despite uh, you know what injuries can usually do, which is you know put a real hit on the uh, the win the win loss type totals for the end of the year. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. There's two other responses that I that I want to read, and one is Sam Packard, who split the difference between us and and predicts 54 wins. I just loved uh, his answer, very concise, and it also brings up a topic that I want to explain about mine. But he says Horford equals plus four wins, and then Stevens' natural maturation gets another plus four wins, missing Turner's whimsy minus two wins. So that's how, you know, eight minus two comes up with six additional wins over last season's 48 win, 48 wins. And I just love that he brings up Turner, but you just talked about Rozier and truthfully the youth getting better and Terry Rozier kind of banking on him, maybe not giving 20 minutes, but being able to provide a lift off the bench and not exactly the same role as Turner. I'm going to call that sort of uh, a, a no loss. It's it's totally, they cancel out, in my opinion. I think Turner is a loss, and he did perform very well in the fourth quarter in a number of games. So I think there is an impact there. But I basically looked at it like, hey, they had these two brain farts, they started out seven and seven, and I think that this year they can really stick with a more consistent rotation. And they already know what Isaiah Thomas's role is. That ought to get them two more. And then I think Al Horford, just his ability to space the floor, and they're going to go from a top three defense to likely probably the best defense in the league as long as Amir Johnson stays in the starting lineup and healthy, which I don't think will happen. But they really could be, you know, a top the 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 top, if not one of the top two defenses in the league based on how they are so I think I think seven wins I'm a little optimistic on 55 but what do you think am I underestimating the impact of the loss of Evan Turner no (laughs) I mean I think a lot of people love Evan Turner mostly people who have to write things in notebooks after what he's after the end of the game Uh, I I think Evan Turner is a loss I agree you know I think there are frustrations there but he's that's that's probably where I was went from fifty five to fifty fifty three in that you know it's there's going to be some growing pains there isn't that other ball handler to be on the floor naturally so it's going to cause Marcus Smart it's going to cause you know maybe Terry Rozier it's going to cause Jay Crowder all of those players are going to have to take a step up they're all going to have to assume more responsibility and. I don't think they're going to be ready to do that at the start of the season. Will they grow into that? That's what I'm hoping. But but that's a, that's a significant gap. Uh, well, part of his contributions. There aren't part of his playmakers con- on this roster right now. I mean, there just aren't. No, and part of his contributions last year, though, came as a result of injuries. So if this team stays healthy... They don't miss that playmaking quite as much as they will if any one of those playmakers in the in the backcourt do get injured, because then then we're going to see issues. Another way to replace some of that playmaking is Al Horford as well, and they'll be able to run you know the offense through the high post. They'll be able to do some interesting things that way that will help you know mitigate that loss. The other thing I want to bring up with these predictions, and and I'm going to go to Ryan Bernardoni from Celtics Hub who predicts 52 wins, but a lot of times 
the analysis here is really just going, it's just being driven 100% by statistics. This player left, this was their win shares, this player's coming in. And and I don't know that I can quite look at, at it that way. I mean, it's a great way to justify your range, but that's why I look at how did they start out the season, where were the hiccups, and then how did they close the season. But Ryan's is really cool because I just I think his response really addresses this a little bit. He says, I hate picking a specific record. I think there's an 80% chance the Celtics finish between 47 and 55 wins, and I'm taking 52 wins instead of the 51 midpoint because I prefer for even numbers. I mean, that's the truth here, right? We're all throwing out a number. We're going to see what sticks, but you could put four or five bullet point asterisks to explain, you know, well, if this happens, then this, and there's just so many unknowns, of course, but you know, 52 wins. Um, I know Sam Sheehan kind of looked really closely at the statistics. So, you know, go, go read his answer on ESPN Boston, but you know, at the end of the day, John, it, it is hard to predict a number. I think you have to just go with this is sort of the the best case scenario if things go well for the team. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that there's I, – I don't even think it's the best case scenario. I mean, that's, that's not how I would think of it. I, I don't think it is necessarily a best case scenario. I think you, you, know, you have to – you're taking into consideration all the peaks and valleys, right, to get to that number. You know that – you know, there's going to be injuries at some point. You know that, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, they're going to run into a skid and at some point they're going to get hot and they'll play well. And, you know, you're trying to take the rough edges, the highs and the lows out of it and say, okay, this is most likely where we think, you know, basically what Ryan just did. There's an 80% chance of it's going to be this number, right? So, you know, for me, I think that, you know, 53 was the right number. The fact that there's so many of us in the same ballpark is really interesting. I mean, last year I was in, I think, 43 wins um, because I yeah, thought— Yeah, you were 43 and I was 44. So, yeah. look, they overachieved. So if right. you're 53 and I'm 55, that bodes well for the season. I, I think so. And, and I think that, you know, last year there was a huge— a disparity between where a lot of the folks who who study analytics saw the team they were they were definitely in the 47 48 49 territory and those of us who who live on the eye test um that saw well you know the talent isn't great and the 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 eastern conference is better and you know they need to make a trade uh we were wrong eye testers we were we were decidedly quite wrong and and that improvement came from within so now they've added that player in Al Horford who can really make a a change and I think we're now set up quite well to uh, to be successful here to a you know early low 50s win total which I think is is pretty darn good well Jared Weiss right here on the Garden Report on CLNS Radio, closes out, and this will be a great way to close out the show. You know, John certainly add any comments, but he closes out his uh, prediction for 54 wins, so he also splits the difference between you and I, and says a six-win improvement could prove to be a conservative estimate by the all-star break. So there's, there, there is some optimism for you as well. He's, he's kind of making his prediction more in your range and saying, you know, it could only go up from there. All right, everybody, this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter 
at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in. You can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. And don't forget to give us a rating and a review because we love your feedback. It's important to us and we can make the show even better. As a reminder, today's show brought to you by Loot Crate and Fan Essentials. They've got great deals for all of you, but most importantly, you'd be supporting Celtic Stuff Live and the CLNS Radio Network. Make sure you go over to fanessentials.net, use the promo code CSL2016 to save 30% on your first first month subscription, or go to lootcrate.com and use the promo code CLNS to save $3 on your subscription over there. And a big thanks to you, the loyal CLNS radio audience, who makes this all worthwhile for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin Poole, and thanks for listening to this week's Celtic Stuff Live, edition of Celtic Stuff Live. We're going to be back next Monday with another winner and chicken dinner. <laughs> Celtic Stuff Live.